welcome to the STR Data Lab. Hello, favorite person, Jamie Lane. It's me, Mariah. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Mariah. Looking forward <laughs> to digging into the best places to invest today. The what? Not not the not the okay places to invest. Not the just good enough places to invest. This is the best places to invest. Is that what I'm hearing correctly from you? They're not the places that I'm going to invest, but theoretically, yes, they're the best places to invest. O-M-G. That is a record-scratching moment. I love this. We're not even 30 seconds into this podcast, and you've already pulled the record scratch. Okay, okay. Let's, um, let's unpack. We have so much to unpack for our audience, I think, right, right off the jump. So the first thing is, yes, folks, drum roll moment. This is the big reveal for us of our 2023 Best Places to Invest report. Highly anticipated, dare I say, already garnering some controversy, which we should talk about. We should talk about the controversy that it's already getting the feedback. And now you're just adding on top of it, which I love, I love, by saying this is these are not where you're going to invest. Let's just start with why there's been controversy, Jamie Lane. I'm seeing some lit names of places on this report, and I am like, well, that isn't a mainstream location. Like I, Fairbanks, Alaska, I believe is number one, not to steal your thunder. Sheboygan somewhere, Sheboygan somewhere. So tell me, tell me, how has this happened? Where, Where's all the mainstream places to invest? Yeah, now that you've given away our reveal, uh, let's, <laughs> let's dive so in. So typical of me. Uh, yeah, so it's really been the past two years, the main markets that have sort of come up on our list are not sort of the, the most popular destinations. I'm, they're not some of the locations that I'm going on vacation uh, with my family or have been to in the past forever, but they are <laughs> some great, uh, maybe new and upcoming and smaller cities th throughout the country. Uh, it plays off of a broad trend that we've seen and really play out throughout the pandemic, small town, sort of rural destinations, garnering outsized increases in demand. And really, I think the the factor playing into a lot of the markets that have sort of showed up on the top places, to, best places to invest this year is what's been going on in investability and specifically around home values. Because the sort of factors driving home values have really pushed up the prices in markets that have been some of the most popular uh, short-term rental destinations. It was almost like short-term rental demand was able to pr predict future impact increases in home values. And many, if not most of the traditional sort of investment markets, home values that are very frothy, have not yet really become to go down. Uh, investor demand has been strong. And so that that sort of pushed the investability of those markets down and sort of brought some others. Up. And what I find super interesting is it's actually played out with the trends on where we've seen the most new investment come in over the past two years. And right, right. Big increases in supply is not happening in sort of the traditional mountain or coastal or large urban markets. It's happening in mid-sized cities, it's happening in small city, rural areas. Uh, and that's where investors are actually finding the best deals and, and deploying their money. 
I love that. And I think that is certainly representative. And again, I promise I won't, I won't reveal anything else to people, but I think that is very representative of the list that we've compiled. What we typically do for folks is we um, get to a list of 25. We consolidate it down to 25 for the US, for instance. And I think it's, that's really, really interesting to just see like, yeah, maybe. And I think like, dare I say that some of these places are just tapped, right? Like the potential there um, for new investment, it's really hard to afford a place to buy, right? As you mentioned. <laughs> and also, depending on what's happening with demand and more importantly with supply, you just might not be able to make that sort of revenue margin that you were looking for in order to justify dropping a million dollars on a big mountain lake destination home. That's what I'm hearing you say, Jane Lane. And it sort of plays into the point I made at the beginning that and this maybe isn't my best places to invest list. And it's not going to be, and this list is not going to be anyone else's best places to invest list. But what we try to do is create a framework for investors to build out their own list. And it starts with what are the regions you're interested in investing in? Do you want to be within two or three hour distance of your home location? Do you want to focus on mountain or coastal markets sort of appealing to a traditional vacation vacationer um, uh, guest? Uh, do you want to go after urban markets and maybe push into uh, midterm or longer term stays? Do you want to go after uh, more unique homes and rural destinations that are attracting a whole new sort of round of guests sort of finding the short-term rental industry? What is your price point? And price point is such a big factor how much do you have to invest? Can you get financing for that loan? What type of financing can you get? And how much ultimately can you invest in the sector? Do you want one home? Do you want five? Do you want 10? Do you want 50? Do you want those all in the same market? Because I could tell you a lot of these sort of smaller towns, like if you're going into Ellsworth, Maine, and with the idea that you want to add 50 homes in there, that's, right. that's going to be a lot of new units added into one market where you yourself could potentially oversaturate that. So I'm, one of my main themes in creating this is we want to create sort of a fr thought framework for our partners, our, our customers to help them sort of think through when they're going after creating their list, uh, what should they uh, be thinking through when, when going on that journey? I, I think that that's so, so important. So yes, provocative statement, obviously to hook our, our listeners into this podcast, but it's, we're making it worth your time, listeners. I know we are. Yeah, you're not necessarily, this uh, isn't part of your particular investment strategy. Each one of those investment theses is, is very unique to the person, right? And it is has so much to do with, again, affordability, which I think we should unpack a little bit because the housing market has changed so much, Right. And also with what you're looking for ultimately, right? Like, are you looking to buy several properties? Are you looking to just get one or two? Is this sort of a place where you would like it to be a short-term rental, but also potentially have the opportunity to be a mid-term rental or another thing? Are you looking for something that's a little bit more diverse? Are you looking for something that's really unique and probably only a short-term rental? So lots of different factors, folks, obviously play into your own individual strategy. It's never a one-size-fits-all. But directionally, what our list is doing for folks is helping them understand what the, I would say, hallmarks and traits of some really good investment locations are for this year. Does that sound right? Yeah. So let's, let's maybe dive into the metrics. 
I, what, what sort of yes. methodology? <laughs> yes, let's, that's where I thank you for the segue. Let's because our methodology, let's talk about what's different about our methodology too. But you, yes, I think you've got four prime pillars here for your methodology, yeah. Jamie. Let's talk about it. Let's w- walk the folks through. Yeah, so so digging into the methodology, we, we start with our three main metrics, and I'll talk about the fourth. So starting with demand. So we're looking at occupancy in a market. So what percent of the nights available in that market are actually getting booked? And then uh, playing into that too is this sort of year-over-year change on a trailing 12-month basis and number of listings getting booked. So are you getting high occupancies in that market? And are the number of listings actually getting booked going up on a year-over-year basis? So that's our our demand pillar. On the revenue pillar, it's all around sort of momentum on RevPAR growth. Uh, So we're looking at the total revenues earned over the past year for uh, a host in this market. We're looking at the entire year over the prior year. And then we're looking at what is that year-over-year change and in revenue per available listing for listings that have been available over that two-year period. So are investors actually earning more money in this market uh, in 2022 than they were earning in 2021? And this actually weeds out a whole lot of markets that are sort of on that negative trajectory uh, where maybe they're a bit oversaturated in terms of, of new investment and where we're seeing RevPARs coming down. The third pillar and the one that is sort of the highest weighted in terms of our scoring is investability. And there's two main pieces of this one. There's the revenue. So how much revenue is an average full-time listing in this market earning? And when we're creating this, we actually break out the revenue earned by bedroom counts. So one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom, four bedroom, five plus. And then we're comparing that to the average cost of a home by those same bedroom counts. And essentially uh, getting the yield. So what is the average revenue divided by the average home price? And then we're averaging the yields across those different bedroom categories. So we are sort of doing a one-to-one comparison on bedroom home values uh, by bedroom count compared to how much they're going to earn. And that, while on average, an average isn't ideal, I think it gives us the best indicator at a high level, at the sort of city and market level, are you going to find good investment opportunities in that city or not? I really like that one. Yeah. So we start, what we did this year is we started with 50 cities, the top 50 cities that came up on our list. We then shared that list with our friends at Revity, who have uh, a database of short-term rental regulations, and where they actually score every city around the country in terms of uh, what is the regulation in that uh, with a key view on could a new investor come in uh, and invest in that market? So if there's such stringent regulation where even if you wanted to invest in that market, uh, you couldn't, then that would have gotten a really high regulation score uh, and sort of dropped them down in our best places to invest list. So we added those re- regulation scores in, uh, re-indexed the list and got our sort of top 25 markets, uh, we actually are putting in the regulation scores in this report. And any market, I think, greater than like a four or five with significant restrictions. And the list, we're actually calling out what are those restrictions in that market that would make it uh, difficult for you to invest in that city. 
Well, that sounds to me like a very smart methodology, Jamie Lane, but I love that it's multifaceted, of course. That investability uh, seems so important, even though I know you said like maybe average isn't always the ideal situation, at least from the perspective of understanding what the potential yield could be. It seems super helpful. So would it be fair to say then that our best places to invest report for 2023 is very, it feels like it's a very pragmatic, measured approach to what you know, potentially is out there right this year and especially adding in that regulation filter. Yeah. So that's, and and when doing the write-ups, we sort of highlight some of the things that you need to be taking into account when you're thinking about investing in that market. So what is the occupancy? What is the growth on RevPAR? How many listings in that market? How much have listings changed? What are the main demand drivers in that city? So what's bringing guests Love to that. your market? All things important to investigate. The other thing I want to call out is 2023 is going to be a really interesting year in terms of the housing market. And who knows whether or not we're going to go through an overall economic recession in the U.S. in 2023. What we do know is we're already in a housing recession. And what that means is we're more than likely going to see some pretty dynamic uh, shifts in housing prices. And where housing prices are changing, and it's important to know that when housing prices change, and even homes that are sort of operating in the short-term rental industry, those house prices are going to be based on comps. And those comps are going to be based on pretty much what single-family home buyers are willing and able to pay in that market, irregardless of what the earning opportunity is for a short-term rental. So what we're going to see is pockets of opportunity evolve over the year. Uh, and I think there's going to be lots of emerging buying opportunities as in areas where we see housing prices falling and the revenue still maintaining very high for, for short-term rental uh, units in those areas. I love that. Thank you. I was, I was going to make you come back to that, the sort of the affordability and the housing market and where we think we're going with that. Super, super helpful, Jamie Lane, per the usual. So how should how should our audience and potential investors such as myself use this as a practical guide um, for potentially guiding their thesis for next year, right? I love what you said, by the way, about looking at factors outside of for demand, right? So for instance, Fairbanks, Alaska, right? What are, you know, uh, what I imagine there are, are some really great recreational opportunities um, I think we have a handful of college towns, spoiler alert. So what are the drivers, right, that might increase like the need for lodging in different areas? That's a great sort of anecdotal thing for folks to look at. But yeah, give me some advice, Jamie Lane. How should I use this guide for my own thesis next year or this year? I want to start with maybe a, a thought experiment with you, Mariah. If you were just going to buy a home anywhere in the country and second home for use, and you're like, maybe I could rent it as a short-term rental. Maybe I could use it on the weekends, but one to make an investment. Like wh where would you buy considering Ooh. that money logic? Oh, well, I like that last part that you added to my, my search. Okay. 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 So I'm using this. Not, this is not just like an, a good investment. This is something that I want to potentially get more use out of. I, so we're in Denver, Colorado. We obviously are outdoorsy people. You can't live in Colorado and not be an outdoorsy person. It's like not allowed. Like they don't let you in the state. I think it's a, que a question they ask when you get to the airport. It's like a customs, an informal customs line. So we would want to go somewhere where we could enjoy the outdoors naturally. So from my perspective, we probably want to be in the mountains. 
if money is literally no object and I want to also take advantage of great food and just, you know, potentially live that live that life, I'm probably investing somewhere near Aspen, Colorado. That's great. And sort sort of a few things. One is understanding I'm how and why you'd want to use that that home. Aspen is a market with I'm has actually seen decent occupancy, sort of expanded seasonality in that market. It's actually seen pretty good RevPAR growth. It's a market with pretty stringent regulations. So those operators that are in that market are actually seeing better performance because listing available listings are actually coming down. So that's concentrating the demand in that area and the listings that are sort of licensed and, and able to continue to operate uh, in that market. But there's Sort of one key you thing. You knew it was going to be a but. I knew it. I was like, I, I was just, I thought you were just congratulating me on how smart I am. Carry on, carry on. <laughs> it, uh, the investability in that market is just terrible. The average annual revenue potential is about like $150,000 on average, but average home in that market is going to come in just under uh, $3 million. So we've got roughly a, a, a 5% yield there. So when I'm starting my um, sort of filter of looking at markets, looking at potential homes, I'm starting with at least like a 15% yield there of the revenue divided by the home value. So not necessarily getting through the filter there, but it's also important as a key factor for a lot of investors out there is how much do you value uh, your sort of own use of that property, of having uh, that's going to be nearby uh, that you can use occasionally that you can get up there to help fix issues. And just on the factor of we built out our list and we're looking purely on investability as a just pure investment um, and not taking into account any of the intrinsic value that you may derive from that property. And that's where everyone's own value of that property may be different. And well, I'm not saying that you should probably invest in Aspen. There may be a way that you could uh, uh, make the numbers work and at least cover part, if not all, of your mortgage. Just maybe not get the return that you'd want, as opposed to going to a market like like uh, Fairbanks or up in uh, the White Mountains. Um, North Woodstock came up on the list. A few others. They're lovely places. Yeah, I love so. So thank you. That was a. I loved that thought exercise. You bring up a really, really good point, right? Which is like, again, like, why are you doing this? And what are you valuing, right? And just so I'm hearing you clearly, our report is very much based on you're valuing the actual financial benefit <laughs> primarily into getting into these markets. You know, of course, you also bring up good points about proximity, ability to sort of get there to fix problems, all the nine. And I do think, I think it's interesting, right? Like our, you know, our founder has said before, right? Like it is very potentially a, a not great investment strategy if you are just going for maximum revenue to invest in a place that you just love or you want to go to visit or you, you know, want to potentially have a home, a second home in, right? So sometimes those two goals are competing with each other. The other thing that I think that you bring up that really is really interesting, because I was having lunch with a friend the other day and he anecdotally was saying, oh yeah, my friends have this place in Breckenridge, second home, property manager convinced them like, oh, you're going to make a killing on Airbnb, you know, like let us help you list it. It's going to be a great short-term rental. Managing those types of expectations from the property manager perspective, I think is really important too. So understanding what your customer, that's, of course, they didn't get that like 70%, you know, whatever margin they were expecting to get on their place. 
They've decided it's not worth it to have strangers there and they can just <laughs> leave it for their own use. Um, so certainly an important, I think, part of whatever property managers are doing in terms of managing expectations is to dig into data like this as well so that they can help folks understand and level expectations. I always say it's better just like it's when you manage expectations, it's fine. It, you know, as long as you're saying you're not going to over deliver, usually people are fine with bad news, I would say. Yeah. And, and another key thing to sort of keep in mind when you're sort of investing, when you're um, sort of looking at the projections on what you think a, a home may earn and maybe even what the property manager estimates are, are giving you, or even what our own rentalizer tool is pulling back for you, is that we are in an environment where we expect occupancies to fall further. So overall, we're expecting about a 3% decline next year. So when you're looking at a market and market minders show five years of history uh, for occupancy, ADR, RevFAR, for all, all the key metrics, uh, get comfortable, yes, with what your properties sort of and earnings uh, in terms of occupancy ADR over the past uh, year, uh, but also get comfortable with what those occupancy levels were in 2018 and 2019, because if do go into a recession, that could, or even just and with the supply trends that we're seeing now with, and just supply continuing to outpace uh, demand. We saw that, in, I think it was the 10th consecutive of occupancy declines in the US. So that's a factor. And then the other key factor when looking sort of forward is what do we expect to further happen in terms of home values, but also on the demand side. So I expect 2023 is going to be still a, a, a year of recovery for international demand. Uh, and there's sort of some major urban centers uh, that we expect demand to continue to recover on the backs of sort of the international recovery. We have APAC continually open up, Chinese travelers coming back. Uh, there's still so much tailwinds to some of these large cities. And that overlaps really closely with the, a, lot, a lot of the areas where we expect to see falling home values. Uh, so we partner with and get their forecast for home values over the next one to five years. And there's markets like San Francisco, Phoenix, uh, Las Vegas and uh, markets in, in California and Nevada, Arizona, Florida, uh, where we all uh, and they expect to see significant declines in home values. So you marry that up with sort of uh, rising occupancies. I think there's going to be a lot of emerging opportunities over this next year that maybe aren't showing up today in the data, uh, but will continue to evolve. And, and while it's going to be so important to have sort of a finger on the pulse of what's happening. And I know we're putting out now uh, data every week on it, all these markets. So updating MarketMinder much more frequently uh, so uh, our customers can stay up to date. Uh, and then also the monthly reviews, the sort of regular monthly videos and podcasts that we do, sort of keeping everyone up to date. I think this year more than ever, it's going to be really important to have your finger on the pulse of sort of what are the trends that are happening and knowing uh, what markets there may be evolving opportunities to invest in. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, it does seem so absolutely more so than ever that like data is this is your silver bullet for investment strategy, right? Because it is ever evolving and our tools are staying up to date with all of that. And and certainly this concept I'd say of like the riches are in the niches, right? And so if you, you've got the gumption and the ability 
and of course the tools, shameless plug, to get into the data, right? Lots of opportunity, especially in exactly, Jamie, I think what, what you're saying, right? With these markets that, you know, housing prices are going to fall in, occupancy is still going to stay high, still lots of demand there. And yes, spoiler alert, it's not going to necessarily be in places like Aspen, Colorado, <laughs> um, where that's going to be the case. I'm so, so excited to dig into all 25 of the places. I think we did. Um, firstly, I just want to pat ourselves on the back for the write-ups because I think we do talk a lot about sort of what is driving demand, what the appeal of these locations are for a traveler, as well as for an investor. Absolutely love, of course, that we've added in um, and shout out to Revity. Thank you guys for your help there. Added in an element of regulation because it is, of course, one of the most important things that you should be factoring into your investment thesis and lots and lots of good opportunities out there for folks. I don't know. I think you, I think you summarized it perfectly, Jamie. I think we got to end on this high note. I think we did it. What do uh, you think? I'll, I'll give a shout out to Blake Mullen uh, doing all those write-ups for us, yes. digging out all these cities. Uh, shout out to Matt Landau for holding our feet to the fire of getting uh, the regulation scores added into uh, here this year. And then a shout out to all the investors this year. Uh, let us know the market you're at and where you're finding opportunities. And if there's any way that we can help, uh, we've got, um, maybe spoiler alert, a lot of new tools coming out to help you find and build your own best places to invest report. Uh, for those larger investors, if you want a demo of our uh, PPD dashboard tool that sort of has and the future of, of investing in it and giving us really a peek of what some of the new investability tools we're going to be rolling out are, please reach out and we'd be happy to walk you through. I love that. That was an even better ending. Um, yes, please, please let us know where you are investing in 2023 because I know a lot of you are out there taking advantage of this market. All right, well, happy listening and happy investing, folks. Yeah.